uncanny. Oh man, we're finally here. Amazing. Are you just saying adjectives? Astonishing. Oh, are we going adjective list? All new, all different. There's no answers to my question. Extreme. X-Men? Hey! <laughs> you guessed it. Which you know time? It. The what? <laughs> <laughs> I guessed many things. We're going adjectiveless. We're going adjectiveless. We're rocking into those 90s with that seminal moment, X-Men number one from 1991. The highest selling comic of all time. Oh, dang. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. <laughs> you know, I was expecting you to give, hit me with a, with a different I'm Alicia. I can't. It just, it, it's my thing. It's just my like cadence of how I say it. it I, I almost did it, but it felt weird. And then I felt like I had to go big. Because I didn't go any? No, because you called me out on it last time. I felt like I had to... I didn't really call you out. It was more uh, um, acknowledgement of the sameness of me and the variety of you. That's all. It wasn't a call out, okay? Don't get sensitive about it. I am. I mean, feel your feelings however you want, but it wasn't an attack. All right, so today we're getting into the adjective list. To the adjective list. What do you know about the adjective list, X-Men? Nada. Nada? <laughs> I mean, maybe I know something, but I know they're called the adjectiveless X-Men. I mean, they're not really necessarily called that. It's just... I've heard them referred to that way. Yes. By you and potentially others. Others have re- referred to them in that way. And, you know, it's it's because of all those stellar adjectives that I said before. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. <laughs> I'm allowed to laugh whenever because, I want. Because... They are other titles of the X-Men that have happened throughout time. But this, for the first time, a second ongoing title featuring the X-Men. Kind of. I mean, like, You mean been... like simultaneously while another one is going on? Right. So Uncanny X-Men doesn't go away. Oh, snap. You didn't know that, did you? I didn't know that. Ooh. So Uncanny Ooh, X-Men. intrigue. And I mean, you know, that that's kind of a loaded statement because the New Mutants was continuous... Mm-hmm. As as Uncanny X Men was going on, X Factor, which we really didn't talk about yet. Because- yeah, but I I feel like those are like you're in the you're in the mansion. You got the main team. Mm-hmm. That's the X Men. Yep. And then there's branches. There's other teams like X Factor, New Mutants. But yeah, yeah, the the one point I wanted to make about X Factor and that we didn't really talk about it is that the original five. X-Men are the first team of X-Factor. So Cyclops, Beast, Iceman, Angel becomes Archangel in X-Factor. Marvel Girl. Marvel Girl resurrected from the dead in issue one, basically. Uh, what? Because gonna, she Phoenix died? Yeah, because she Phoenix died. But then Jim Shooter was like, <laughs> nah, just kidding. Huh? Just kidding. Claremont oh, was mad. I've seen that in a documentary. Yeah, and you've seen some talks about this too, right? So this is written by Chris Claremont. Okay. It is under the umbrella of a seminal moment because it is a seminal moment of X-Men history. Okay. It is also co-plotted by Jim Lee. This what? Is... I thought he was gone. No. He didn't leave? This is before, this is like, this is when Chris Claremont's leaving. Okay, timelines Timelines mean nothing to me, apparently. Yeah, but, um... 
I thought he left. Jim Lee left to go do something else. At the so this is like this is the height of Jim Lee. This is Jim Lee is doing awesome stuff on Uncanny. Editorial is like, hey, we want to follow that awesome stuff. Jim wanted to do some things that were more back to basics for the X-Men, bringing them back to the mansion, Magneto being a bad guy, having these like kind of the concepts that Claremont was done with. He had kind of grown out of that. He'd mm-hmm. done that before, didn't want to do it again. Editorial wanted to follow where the art wanted to go, wanted to follow where the numbers were selling. They wanted to relaunch a second book, and it was clear to Claremont that they didn't want to do the ideas and the stories that he wanted to do. And so he basically said, this is going to be the last thing that I write, and he left. No. And it was very unceremonious in the sense that, you know, it's really just a a footnote at the bottom of issue three of X-Men, where it's just his initials and the massive span of time that he wrote for this book, making it the best-selling comic. Oh, dang. Now, I said, this this comic is the best-selling comic of all time. Not only... This particular issue. This particular issue. issue? Yes. So, X-Men became, like, the highest-selling comic overall. hmm But this particular issue is the highest-selling comic of all time. Well, okay, what is it? Show Do, it to me. Well, hold on. Okay, my bad. <laughs> I just wanted to say one more thing. Okay, say it. Two main reasons why it's the highest selling comic. One is because it's an issue one and speculators wanted to get in. This is right before the- like, Speculators be speculating. Yeah, you know it, right? You're going to restart X-Men? That's going to be on fire, you know? And the other main reason- Yes. <laughs> The other main reason being it printed with five different covers. Oh, so you got to get them, got to catch them all. You got to catch them all, or at least that's what Marvel hoped. Uh, it's unclear as to how many of the eight million copies that are of the recorded, eight million plus eight of the recorded million. record actually were sold or, or were just kind of like you can find them in dollar bins now because it, it obviously did not become that Yikes. high prize issue. All right, now, can I see it? Which cover do I see? Can I see all five? Do you have all five? Answer me. I don't have all five. Okay. I do have two of them right there. Points to the shelf. I know that one. I've seen that one for many days. That's the one. That's that's Adjectiveless X-Men number one. Y'all, it's, it's Cyclops. Oh, it's Cyclops, and he's he's going at Magneto with his beams. And these are the ones that I said, yo, let's get all these in printed on canvas and make a giant wall art of them. Yep. I still want to do that. That'd be cool. Okay. Uh, so we're not... So we're not what? I'm very anxious yeah, no, today. Sh- <laughs> don't say... Shh, don't say bad words on our podcast. Uh, this is this is the one signed by Chris Claremont. Oh, and this was the one I remember when we went. We're not going to be reading this one, just because. Yeah, I was like, better that. not touch that one. When I asked him if he would sign it, and he was like, "I'll sign anything I wrote," because I was aware of just the fact that this was the last issue. Yeah, this, in addition to being the one that's autographed, is the one that is a triptych, where it has the full. Oh wait, so does the back cover have the rest? Oh, snap, 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 snap. Hose. And there's even Wait, a- that's four covers yeah. though. This is the fifth. Oh, so the f- so 
four One individual panels. Four, where each of them have the individual, and then number five was like, y'all, we could have all five. Right. All four. Right. We all know I'm not good at math. But this one is autographed and... Put it back in the plastic. Fancy looking. Put it back in the plastic. Give me that magneto. I do have the one with Storm on it, too, but that's in a box down. I want Magneto. Woohoo. Also in plastic. Double plastic. That was just for the display purposes. For the grace and glory of Magneto. Lord Magneto, you laugh now. I always laugh, and I don't know generally what I'm laughing at. So you've seen, what do you think about the big altogether image? And the fact that they did this kind of triptych setup. Well, it's very epic, and the fact that all of the other X-Men are all like sort of in a line fighting, and then it ends with Magneto, Mm -hmm. leads me to believe that, and also what you said, but leads me to believe that Magneto is the number one villain. He has returned to his villainous ways. So chronologically, this is after God Loves Man Kills. Much, much after. Much, much, much after. So he was like, hey, I'm on your side. And then they were like frenemies and now they're enemies again. Well, and with a lot more that happened in between that. So around X-Men 200, exactly the the trial of Magneto, where he was on trial for the crimes that he had done. But then also it was the argument of, well, he's been de-aged to a baby and then re-aged to a man. What? Your face is just, yeah. What do you mean? Uh, things we're not going to get into right now. Mm. But it was, the argument, baby. it was the argument that, <laughs> okay. was the argument that he did not commit those crimes. That was the other guy. And he was in conversation with Xavier to take over the school and to serve as a replacement headmaster for the new mutants while xavier was, was lying about something no he was <laughs> going into space because he was dying oh yeah no, no, she feel bad not really not really <laughs> and then <laughs> so in that epic kind of story into his redemption mm-hmm, into his mm-hmm. engagement with the x-men as an x-men as a as a member of the core team and then kind of a, a fast turn back to villainy as he's realizing that things will never be what he wants for his mutants. For the so mutants. he's like, I got to go back to my old ways. Well, I mean, really, and we'll find out in the first couple of pages, he just wants to be left alone. He just wants to be out and doing his thing. Oh, Magneto. Yeah. Okay, so can I page turn noise? Or... Okay, here we go, people. Adjectiveless X-Men. Page turn noise. Ooh, look at these pages. These are old school pages. They're not shiny. Yeah. Stan Lee proudly presents the dawn of a new era. Oh, yeah. And it's starting in an epic space battle. It's giving me Star Wars vibes. Yeah. We've got four ships. Looks like a three verse one as one of the ships, the one leading, is looking for Asteroid M. And it's getting fired on. Strike Eagle leader Delgado requesting to return fire. This back and forth about not wanting to fire above Russia and start a war. Uh-oh. Something's happening. Electromagnetic spectrum is spiking. And there's, a, there's a lot happening that we don't know. This, this unfolds as we continue. We get more information as we go along. 
but you're just kind of thrown right into it. The, again, build as a number one. Build as a perfect jumping on point. There's a lot going into this that you don't necessarily know, and even a lot that is going to be revealed over the next couple of issues. Yeah, but I think an unfolding of a story where you don't know everything is okay as long as the story is catered to give you the information that you need to know and not make you feel like you're missing something just that this world already exists. Yep. It's Magneto. I am Magneto. This is my home. Wait, is this the monologue that you did? No. Oh. That was Uncanny X-Men 150, which does get referenced in this issue and the actions of that time. He just rip apart the ship with his magnetism and these astronauts are just out in space. Yeah. Well, and so even his, his dialogue, I am rapidly losing interest in whatever you choose to do on Earth's surface. Despoil the environment. Slaughter yourselves to the last child. I no longer care but I refuse to allow you to export your penchant for violence to my very doorstep. Now, the last time we've seen Magneto, after his long redemption arc, atoning for the things that he had done, joining the X-Men, becoming the headmaster of the school, we're given this Magneto who just wants to be left alone, wants to, wants to be in space in his home. Also, who doesn't need a helmet in space? Can just be... Chilling in space, breathing space air. No, it's a it's an electromagnetic bubble. Oh, my apologies. Science, fiction. Oh, I see the bubble now. Yeah, we got our creative team before we head off this page. X Men number one, Rubicon, co-plotted by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, written by Claremont, penciled by Jim Lee, inks by Scott Williams, letters by Tom Orszowski, colors by Joe Rosas. And our editorial team. This I, I love so this page I've posted this on the account. This has been just this splash page of Magneto in this epic space battle with these humans screaming in the silence of space. That's because Magneto is epically amazing, always and forever. Well, what about the show? I mean, you you called out the, the fact that he doesn't need to a helmet to breathe, but Yeah, I mean it's do you see Asteroid M behind him? Yes. I think it's a cool spread. It definitely shows the awesome power of Magneto. And I like the way the sun is sort of just reflecting off of the earth and reflecting off of him. The astronauts, these these people are arguing, you can't just leave us to die. And he's saying, you know, I'll return you to earth to avoid a fight and let them know I won't be so nice next time. You know, y'all came at me. Y'all come at my house. So he's living on Asteroid M. Yep. It's you we came to find. Lord Magneto, we're mutants like you. We've come to serve, to pledge our lives to your glorious cause. He even, he even refuses them. Like, those days are done. Those Leave me alone. I just get off my lawn, you dang kids. Get off my space lawn. I'm just trying to chill. I just, I love just the epicness of that, that profile shot, that, that close up of his, his full face. His full face, the intensity in his eyes, and just the disgust. In his clenched jaw. Yeah. And on that last panel, we get a, a tease of what's to come. People keeping an eye on what's going on. They're talking about what, what's possibly happening and what we can do in response. We are initiating stage one of the Magneto Protocols. The Magneto Protocols? Also, what is this floating Magneto that doesn't look like Magneto but in his costume, but it's a different costume, but he's floating there. Is he not real? 
That is a picture, I'm assuming, of Magneto. That is also the costume that he was wearing during the trial of Magneto in X-Men 200. Oh. It's interesting that they have this on file, potentially as just when we thought that he was going to be good. Okay, so these friends are in friends, quote unquote. These peeps are in Russia? The Soviet. Okay. They are in Star City Cosmodrome. And this says it on the, the page before. The Soviet equivalent of Cape Canaveral and the Houston Man Space Center all rolled into one. So this is the Soviet Union's space base as they're responding to the threats that are happening above them. Oh. And they're going to enact these Magneto Protocols, notify Moscow and Washington as the president is meeting with Nicholas Fury. <gasps> Nicholas Fury. And he's saying, you know, if the Soviets act like hotheads, Mr. President, they can make things worse. You have an alternative? Question mark. Question mark. Do you, Nicholas? And we get another epic splash. Oh, look at Cyclops. Yep. And other X-Men. Yep. Bunch of them. Bunch of them. These are all the first times that we're seeing most of these designs. You know, Iceman didn't really change much. Same with Colossus and Archangel. And even Beast, but Storm's uniform is brand new. Cyclops, Rogues, these are the first times that we're ever seeing these. Ooh. These new character designs. These are the ones that I, like, know. These are the ones that most people know. These are the ones that were then adapted for the animated show. For the cartoons. Okay, so this is his alternative plan? We don't know. Oh, but we can assume. (laughs) Look at you. We're... Speaking in on what's going on at the X-Mansion, and we're getting details that they're doing a training exercise as these groups, as these teams are trying to penetrate the mansion's defenses. You fools can't get in here. So you think. Xavier and Jean talking about how it's all returning back to the way things were. The more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> Song lyrics. Continue. <laughs> So it's like they're all coming together for the first time, as Xavier says. This hasn't been the way that he's known the X-Men for a while. He's been off in space doing space things with a space girlfriend. Is she our space girlfriend? Yep. Look at me, I know stuff. What's her name? Lalandra? Yeah. Oh, bam! Surprising myself with my knowledge. Yeah. And Xavier's talking about his wavering faith in his decisions, his overall dream. So his decisions to have left the X-Men to go off into space, but also the validity of his dream. Again, questioning. Is this even possible? Guy, you're supposed to be leading us. And the fact that you don't believe in what you're leading us makes us question ourselves. We've got Rogue and Iceman. They're trying to get into the mansion. That's the general premise of what's going on right now is that different teams, different groups of X-Men are trying to penetrate the defenses. And this is how they're engaging. Oh, so they're not in like a danger room simulation. They're like actually trying to break into the mansion to test the mansions. I believe so. Yes. There are elements of the danger room later on. And it does actually seem like they're all gathered in the danger room after this all ends. And we'll, we'll get there in a second. But... I like that Rogue says, heads up, Popsicle. Yeah. Heads up, Popsicle. These missiles are destroying Iceman's slide, so he's unable to maneuver around them, and Rogue just flies the missiles back into the launchers. <laughs> and on the next page, we have Archangel and Colossus with an equal attempt at trying to break through the defenses. 
wrecking ball status as Cyclops and Beast are analyzing what's happening in the control room. Jean seems to be defending the professor as this this final end goal and does a psychic attack on Colossus. Oh, snap. I just, I love Jim Lee's art. You know, I love these pages. I love these panels. There's so many parts of them that are so epic and just feel like each panel could be a giant poster. You know, yeah. th- this, this image of Archangel and Colossus as he's engaging his metal form. It's interesting because it's it, it seems like these couple pages, even the one right before it with Rogue and Iceman, like Rogue looks like she's highlighted. She's sticking out. She, there's kind of like a larger image in the background. And even here, like you see Colossus and Archangel jumping forward. And in the bottom of that image, there's like treetops. So you know that they're in their own individual image. But then there are other panels sort of placed on top of what that larger image is. So it's giving you like that action poster vibe with yeah. then more detailed shots. So it seems like they're like jumping out of the pages. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Rogue flying at you, Colossus literally coming towards you. Yeah. And then there's Wolverine and Gambit and Psylocke. Yeah, going in through the sewers. And I think it's interesting. It's not referenced really at all, but Banshee is here and he's... I've readings now, boyo, on Assault Bravo. A solid lock on Psylocke, Wolverine, and Gambit. A took the high road. This lot's coming in low. He's basically just backup tech support in this in this role. Well, um, you know. Yeah. Someone's got to be the lookout. Yeah. You got Scott here grinning to himself. Slip through the first arc of sensors too. Make a note, Banshee. Because like, you know, they're testing the defenses, but they're also, how do we improve upon this? Mm-hmm. And here come all these robots. Psylocke and Wolverine don't look like they have any problems with those robots. Tearing through them. I have a note here that's just Jim Lee. <laughs> because again, another epic action shot. Gambit makes it through, and it also seems that Rogue has been taken out by the by the explosion. Yikes. So is it is their idea that these defenses are supposed to be able to protect the mansion if the X-Men are not there? Potentially, yeah. Okay. Or in case, you know, certain people aren't there. Can this mansion defend itself, or do you need the X-Men to be able to defend the home? Mm. Gambit sneaks in. Makes- yeah, Gambit sneaks in a couple things. It's looking like yeah. sneaking in a kiss on Jean Grey over here. What the heck? Yeah, he claims his quote-unquote prize as he's reached Jean slash Xavier. No, yeah, no, that is rude as hell, Gambit. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, this is Gambit as a creep, and I love Gambit. He's a cool character, but he is also a swarming creep. Come on, man! Doesn't look like she said that was okay, Gambit. No, it doesn't. And then there's an explosion. He gets he gets rewarded for his creepiness as it turns out that these are just decoys. That's a robot gene. That's a robot gene. Ha ha ha! Blew up in your face. Blew up in your face. Making some jokes all around about Gambit and, and Gene's even... Wait a second. This isn't a page. Oh, no. Call 1-900-288-X-Men and battle the X-Men's deadliest enemies. Advertisement. Here we are. And you have Gene kind of fanning the flames. I must confess, infuriating and arrogant as Gambit can be. Those eyes, that grin, the body, takes a girl's breath away. Oh, really? When, when the next opportunity prevents, presents itself, remind me to drop a truck on him. Oh, Cyclops. Cyclops. Listen, Cyclops, did you see the first thing she said? Those eyes. Yeah. Which is why I think I can't connect with Cyclops, because I could never see his dang eyes. It's not his fault. I'm not blaming him. 
I'm just saying. As they're doing this banter back and forth, Charles is trying to remind you, Cyclops, that the exercise is far from over as through the floor, Wolverine saw through the lie of the robot dummies and went for the real thing. Bang, Charlie, you're dead. Smells like a robot to me. (laughs) Smells like a woman robot. Back off, Wolverine. This this immediate contention between Cyclops and Wolverine, again, you know, trying to, hey, remember, they are not friends. Remember, they don't like each other. You made your point. Are you nuts or what? You know how dangerous those adamantium claws of yours are. Oh, come on. Like, he's really going to stab the professor. One slip just now, you know, on the next page even says, I don't slip, bub. Exercise was to tag the prof. That's just what I did. You got a problem with that? Even use some teamwork to do it. While you were all watching Gambit make a moderate fool of himself, Psylocke was able to use her psi powers to mask me from genes long enough for me to do the job. Teamwork makes the dream work, bub. And as you can see in this next panel, it looks like this is all in a danger room. You have the the brick wall slowly disappearing on the bottom, everybody in the same room together. So I guess this wasn't actually testing the mansion itself. This was just... It was just simulating the exact... Right. Specifications of the mansion's protective simulations. Yeah. That didn't make sense, that sentence, but you knew what I meant. Yeah. Simulating the simulations. And Wolverine is classic fuming off on that page as he's saying, you know, this is kid stuff. This is not the real thing. This, you know, call me when we have a real mission to do. Well, he did just beast through that, so. Yeah. Nick Fury on that next page telling the X Men about Asteroid M. This is not my Nick Fury. I mean... I know he's the real or whatever, the OG. The original Nick Fury, Nick yeah. Fury, but he's not my Nick Fury. I'm just saying. That's fine. That's great. I love Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury. That was introduced in the Ultimates, part of the Ultimate Universe, and it was actually drawn after Sam, Sam Jackson. Really? Yeah, so it looked just like him. Oh my God, and that's this is, so amazing. This was long before the Avengers films. I love that so much. Okay, but anyway, this Nick Fury. He's briefing the X-Men. The mix of reactions from them all is interesting on how to handle Magneto, how to handle this threat, because everyone around this table has very different interactions, has a very different history with this man. I think that's kind of messed up. So so people are going to go up into space, and they're going to bother Magneto, and he's going to defend himself, and then now everyone's going to be like, yo, Magneto's on Asteroid M, and he's a threat? Basically. No. Yeah. Rude. Right. <sighs> Team Magneto. What is this? <laughs> um, so. This is not part of the comic. This is just a beach patrol, beach party. Yep. Wish you were here. Me too, X-Men. That looks like fun. On the page, they're talking about, and this becomes part of going forward, Xavier accepts Scott's proposal to split the X-Men into two strike teams that will allow us greater flexibility in our response to any given situation. So this is basically creating a reason how and why two titles can exist at the same time. Ah. So you have X-Men Blue, the blue team, Oh, and gold is the other team. Yeah. I heard of this. Things I heard of. I'm not lost all the time anymore. Yeah. It's funny you're wearing your Jim Lee sweatshirt too, which yes. all of those are these character designs. Oh. Even like this, I believe, is the exact shot of Colossus coming through. Oh, wow. 
and we get some information on the mutants who stole the shuttle. They stole a shuttle. Oh, from the Shield. truth come from Shield. Yeah. This is connecting to Nicholas Fury. The flat scans that followed him now all at odds, but there's an inhibitor field all around them taking away their powers. On the asteroid or yeah. in the shuttle? On the asteroid. So they're now on the asteroid. Even Magneto's powers? I would assume not because it's his base. Oh, he is doing the trickery. Right. And then here he comes in his evening wear. <laughs> his evening wear. I don't know if I would call that evening wear. Evening wear is uh, generally more like formal attire. This is like his... Um... Lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is... Uh... You, you trying to tell him that he needs to put more clothes on? Because he's not going. This is like his comfortable recreational clothes. Loungewear. Loungewear. That's what. That's what. Loungewear. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So he's just chilling in his fancy pajamas. Yep. And they're talking about this difference between mutant versus flat scan as the shield agent shoots Anna Marie as she tries to appeal to Magneto's cause and seemingly dies in his arms as he says... I have no more cause. Magneto just wants to be left alone. Magneto is what I have this next page titled as. <laughs> He's telling him, my house, my rules, basically. You know, you don't have any rights here. We had the right to pursue them. Officers, major of no law, I recognize. And the rights you possess here are those I choose to give you. Ooh. Enter Fabian Cortez, dreadlord. I am Fabian Cortez. Forgive my intrusion. I share your grief. Anne-Marie was a valued comrade. But you must know the great powers below will of a certainty react to what has happened here. Why do I know that name, Fabian Cortez? I don't know. This is his first appearance. He's in the cartoon, but I don't think we've gotten that far yet. Hmm. Okay. Paul likes Fabian. That could be it. Could have just read it somewhere. Could pretend I know it, and I don't actually know it. He's a sneaky little man. He starts to whisper in Magneto's ear about the treacherous flat scans and the response that we must do to them. What is a flat scan? Like a human. A human? Yeah. What? Because they... Can you explain this to me? I feel like... It is a kind of a, kind of a mutant derogatory term for human. So the only people that are using it are these guys here. But it, what is it in reference to? Like scanning their body for something? Genetic potential, increased powers, they, they scan flat, they don't have... Is this the first time I'm hearing this? Like in this comic? I believe so. All right, so I don't feel as like... Yeah. I don't know things. Just put me back into the you don't know things pile. I was in. I thought I knew things, but I was wrong. Yeah, you can't, you can't get too comfortable in that. Dagnabbit! All right, flat scan, got it, okay. Even, I mean, even in that last panel... On that first page in front of you, Magneto says, flat scans, question mark? Those genetic dead ends, unblessed with our mutant abilities. What terms, Cortez, do you suggest? And we don't get to know because we're back at Xavier's school. We'll find out later on as the blue team is being assembled. Blue team looks ready for action. And this is... Xavier is saying, I have a contact signal from Cerebro. It's scanning an array has identified Magneto's energy signature entering Earth's atmosphere. And I think this is odd, right? We, we've talked a handful of times about how 
Cerebro can't find Magneto, especially when he's got his fancy helmet on. Yeah, so how does it know he's coming into the right, atmosphere? By, by tracking his energies, of course, not his brain patterns. Oh, that's... I didn't know Cerebro had that mm, skill. No, neither did I. On the second half of this panel, alert your blue team, Cyclops. I will hold Storm's gold team in reserve. So we're already getting some idea of who is on which side of the team dynamic. Ah. Cyclops leads the blue team that will continue in this comic title, continue in adjectiveless X-Men. Storm leads the gold team, which will take over the pages of Uncanny X-Men. So now the rest of this comic is about Cyclops' team. Correct. So least... don't get my hopes up about anything, <laughs> knowing anything about this other team. Yeah. Well, you know, we could always visit the other side. And technically, as you close out this three-issue arc, the gold team does come in in a later issue. Okay. They do come in in issue two and three. Fair. All right, Beast is ready. Look at him, jumping. Yeah, this this is not a training sequence. This is you know, action stations, me hearties. Time to quote the vernacular to rock and roll. Since when does Beast talk like a pirate? Well, he more talks like a... Literary jokester. Yeah. Me hearties. I read, I read a lot of different books, and Beep. I'm bringing that knowledge into my everyday. And so they get up in, they get up in that jet. They're yeah. ready. A brand new Blackbird. Oh, we've got two Blackbirds now. At least to design and build as a new Blackbird. I'm, I'm sure that the previous one is destroyed because, like the mansion, it blows up and is having to be rebuilt regularly. Yeah. So on the bottom panel of this page, when the professor, when the prof asked Forge to design and build as a new Blackbird, the man did himself proud. And like we were talking about before, everything is reverting to the OG X-Men status, right? You have Xavier at odds with Magneto. The base of operations in the mansion, a team of X-Men being sent out on missions, and we have our blue team. So our blue team are all seen here, at least for who they are right now. Okay, so blue team roster, we've got Cyclops, he's the head honcho. Then we got the shots. We got Beast, we got Wolverine, we got Psylocke, we got Gambit, and we tiny is that rogue and flying over? Rogue is a part of the blue team, so is Jubilee at times. Later on, she is still not really treated as a full-fledged X-Men member just yet. She is pretty new to the team as a whole. She's a baby. Baby. A baby. The last X-Men, as Bishop will come to know her at times. Oh, snap. I think that might even just be in the cartoon. In the cartoon. Yeah, that sounds familiar from the cartoon. Oh, Magneto. What are you, what is he, is that like? earth that he's raising up mid-atlantic magneto raising the leningrad right so this is a callback to that issue that i was talking about before uncanny x-men 150 where my my awesome speech is from where he gave that threat a missile was launched from the submarine leningrad and magneto countered by sinking the vessel and it was his intention to rid the world of nuclear arms, what he thought was a noble cause, probably still is. Yeah, it seems like pretty noble to me. Yeah, it's just how it was seen and responded to by the humans. The fact that you know he sank this vessel. Right, it seems aggressive. Seems a little aggressive, seems a little mad Nito. All right, yeah. so he... He deflected he the raises attack. He raises it up for why. What's he doing? He deflected the attack and then... As an object lesson, sank the vessel that launched it. Those last couple of pages. Hey, hey panels, we're, we're going to find out in the next couple of pages. Oh, okay. 
I love this profile image of him sank the vessel that launched it. Yeah, this, especially the layering of the panels on top of this larger side view of Magneto, right? You can even see his shoulder underneath some of those panels. You just get... Feels almost like internal monologue Right. Well, yeah. And or like, I, these are my memories. Yeah. In a time where speech bubbles are seemingly not around, we get a decent amount of box panel na- narration. So he's raising the Leningrad, this this submarine that probably has some other missiles on it. You know, probably still has some some nuclear arms, some yeah, weaponry. Yeah, go ahead and say it's probably not like clear of all dangerous items. Yeah. Rogue Magneto have this heart-to-heart as Rogue's trying to appeal to the side that she knows. She worked with Magneto as part of the X-Men. She also... What? What? She worked with Magneto? Yeah, so there was that period of time that he was on the X-Men. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So, and that that actually is a part of this story. That's kind of the, the arc of Magneto going from bad to good after the trial of Magneto, coming on to the Xavier School side, being the headmaster for the New Mutants, being an active member of the X-Men team for not too long, but a handful of issues, and and working with these people. But Rogue specifically and Magneto worked together for a while in the Savage Land. And that's... Ooh, yeah, Savage Land. That's an issue that I Take feel like... me back. We're going to have to or visit... there for the first time. Whether it's an episode or just a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, just, hey, yeah, let's check out this comic so you can get your Savage Land fix. I'm getting a little, a little fixin' in the cartoon. Yeah, season two. So, all right, I just have to say, you just talked about all these, like, life-changing things Magneto has done, and now he's evil again? That's rude. Life-changing thing. I mean, so his arc to good was long and and kind of over time Mm -hmm. his turn back to villainy is a lot shorter but it has still been seeded in the last handful of issues of uncanny x-men leading to this and and especially as we consider like he didn't really straight turn to evil he is essentially preparing for the worst right now he's he's getting these missiles getting these arms this line from rogue we don't threaten you magneto nobody does and now, child, nobody will. Damn straight. Or what, you going to nuke him? Wolverine asks. The American president considers himself a prudent man who perhaps prays for the best, but is always ready for the worst. I am no different. So he's getting this as a, as a precautionary measure. You know, he knows that these weapons are here. He knows that he has now a need potentially for some defense. Always be prepared. Yeah. Too close, Cyclops. He freezes the Blackbird in midair. I love, I mean, we, I can gush about Jim Lee's art all issue if we want, but this like three panel epic of him freezing the full Blackbird with his one hand and being pushed back by his power. And then this drop down shot as Gambit and Beast leave the Blackbird and descend onto the, where the team is. They both look so vicious. They're they like, do. Look at my teeth. Yeah. Beast got his claws. They're going in as a distraction, and Magneto pulls up this metal and, and shoots into Beast's stomach, disarming him. Your distraction is not working. I'm yeah. taking you down. Gambit even calls him out as playing nice attitude as he subdues Beast, other than do anything more intentionally harmful. 
I mean, because at this point, he's just saying, like, I'm not a threat. I'm yeah, just... Just let me do my I'm thing. I'm just doing my thing. I'm just stocking up. So, like, leave me alone or this is going to get ugly. It's just you can't... For you. You can't have a guy like Magneto doing that and people not be suspicious. And that's the thing. You know, he, we... Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> we, the reader, know that he went on this long journey of redemption. Does the world government know? Or do they just see that, you know, lately he's been hanging out with the Hellfire Club. Lately he's been posted up in the Savage Land and he had some in interactions with yeah. other government officials. Yeah, to be officials, fair, right? like honestly, even if they do know, they also know his past. Right, So exactly. they're just seeing. But the world government is not the one who launched the blue team at him. Well, I mean, technically Nick Fury went to Charles to ask for his inter You right, you right, you interference. Right, you right, you right, you right, you right, you right. It's also launched in a defensive way, you know, or, or like a trying to subdue this with Beast and Gambit coming in, like they're just descending into the area. Magneto's disarming him because he doesn't again, doesn't want something to escalate further. That's why it's not a He's a like, fatal sit blow. down. And, and Gambit even remarks further that he doesn't, I don't want to charge these cards full enough to kill. A I fortunate decision, young man. For you. And we're squaring off. We got the blue team versus Magneto. High kick. Look at that kick. Look at that extension, Psylocke. Yeah, with that ninja action, which again. Right we'll, to the face. We'll talk about it quickly here, but this is Betsy Braddock in no, let's not. I choose not to talk about it. <laughs> I choose. I no, thank you. It's Psylocke at this current moment. That's all I need to know. She's yes. kicking him in the face. Yep. Good job, Psylocke. We're gonna get to it in Fallen Angels, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and then perhaps I will uh, understand. But right now, I just uh, I'm just gonna skip it. That's just Betsy Braddock. That, that, uh, that's Betsy Braddock, not in her original body. That is Betsy Braddock in Ninja Assassin, formerly Kanan's body. What did I just say? Let me just say it quick. All build, right, fine. Build the foundation of understanding. Great. Now I'm just thinking, where's Betsy's body? But I'm not going to let myself go down that rabbit hole. Don't answer it. It'll come Don't up in answer it. 20-something issues. Okay. Have you X-Men all gone mad? I said I meant no harm. Why do you assault me? Good Lord. Yeah, good Lord. Now I have to release my wrath on you. Yeah, well, that good Lord, especially from Wolverine coming at him with his berserker fury. He doesn't trust the words, and Cyclops notices that he's on the verge of a berserker fury. He's, he's... Is this like a thing? Is this like berserker fury? Is that like, oh, a, yeah. fa like a phase of Wolverine? That's like a, when he loses control and he goes full feral Wolverine. Well, not feral Wolverine because that's actually another thing. But Oh, jeez. When he gets, when he gives into his berserker rage, all I can think about is bazooka gum. When you say that, no, <laughs> incorrect. Yes, Cyclops sees this and he wants to separate them. He knows that Wolverine is not pulling his punches, so he, he shoots Magneto through the wall. And this panel design again, the the blast shooting off the background behind these panels. I just I love it, and the variance of. You know, the high kick coming on the side, the blast coming on the other side, you, these different angle reactions. Yeah, it's very cool. It's cool because there's moments where you you feel like there's layers on layers of image. Yeah, and you're just brought in that way. 
like you can almost see the fight scene in a 360 because they're all happening like side by side. And I'm sure it's not like one person is waiting for the other person to like, okay, Wolverine, I'm going to give you your turn with Magneto and then I'm going to wait. And then when you're done, Psylocke's going to come in or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like they are all attacking him from all fronts. So you get that like chaotic disoriented that there's like stuff coming at you from everywhere these aren't stormtroopers where they'll shoot at you one at a time and miss (laughs) stormtroopers magneto even says so our comradeship means nothing by the eternal so he's he's talking about the fact again that magneto was a part of the x-men he worked with wolverine and i think it's in a later page where he speaks specifically to well you have to think about Like kind of what I was saying before, like, yeah, okay, maybe the government and Nick Fury and all of them, they don't understand. But the the X-Men and Xavier, they know that Magneto like went to chill on Asteroid M and and so the government understands just fine. They just don't trust it. (laughs) They're not even giving him like the benefit of the doubt of being like, "Um, hi, excuse me, Magneto. uh, What are you doing? I mean, they did. That was that was Rogan, Wolverine and Psylocke at the beginning trying to talk. And then Magneto's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing this to prevent any nonsense from happening further. It's like, hey, guy, I get it. I get our relationship. But you're stealing nukes. Okay, that's not just a I'm putting up a fence. You know, that's that's I'm arming my home with weapons that could destroy the whole world. And from a guy like Magneto who can move those weapons with the flick of his wrists, that's yes, a worry. Yes, you are. I. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say you are correct, because that would make me Team X Men and I'm Team Magneto. But I see your point. I'm Team Reason and seeing the differences between both of them. Neither is correct fully. Neither is wrong fully. Both are operating for their own purposes. Yes. <laughs> I got a yes. Okay. The fight continues. Well, the fight actually moves inside the Leningrad, and Magneto is coming to face his consequences, the consequences of his actions as he's surrounded by these oh skeletons. My, oh, my holy skeletons, Batman. All the people that died in the ship that he sank, people that before he just considered as pawns. He didn't actually see them as individuals, but mm. now it hits him in a big way. You know, previously seeing them as just pieces in this greater scheme, but now he's got a direct comparison to what had happened to his friends and family throughout the Holocaust, that these are just... Yikes. Yeah. These are actual people. That's rough. And, And he's overcome with emotion. He throws them back. Stay away. You choose to see me solely as the man I was. Is that then what I am? I mean, he's even trying to fight for his own humanity, his own his own a ability to be seen as an individual who can reform or can change right yeah he's struggling too because he's like i was just trying to like go do something else like to disconnect myself from all this craziness and now somehow i mean we know how throughout this this story but quote unquote somehow i'm back in the middle of this again so is this who i'm supposed to be wait isn't that in one of the movies doesn't he say, isn't this who you, is yeah. this who you want me to be? It's from Apocalypse, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when it's the same situation, he right? Just, he goes he's just and he lives going and trying to live in the woods. He has a daughter and, and then, then he, he uses his power one day. To and, save someone. And then everyone's like, hey, you're that guy that murdered all those people. Yeah. And then they freaking kill his 
wife and child with By a accident. very with a very strong arrow that goes very through strong both wooden of their arrow that shoots through both perfectly their aimed accidental arrow but anyway that's what he's like is this is this who i'm supposed to be so which i mean you you think about it there's so many forces pushing him towards that you have the acolytes that are literally yeah. saying like hey we're here for that that magneto classic right. we believe in the classic magneto we want yeah we want bring him back we want the old man but the young man because he's a baby he was a baby and now he's re-aged Ugh. that actually comes back as part of this narrative that in later issues it's cuckoo bananas okay so he's he's going off he's making his exit with his missiles and rogue wants to try and reason with him rogue rogue beast beast is the voice of conscience perhaps seeing him as our enemy forces him to become our enemy and you know that that is what we're talking about yes valid point beast don't agree too much with beast well it's really our point so that's why i'm saying it's valid yeah but like beast is a fluff character <laughs> here's some fluff here's some here's some let me analyze the situation yeah. for y'all here's some facts and then i'll just run and jump over here and throw someone yeah even scott even calls him out cyclops even calls him out are you you bound and determined to be my conscience hank every good leader needs one, at least one enjoy then in the meantime i'd appreciate a positive scanning track on rogue and magneto because those two just flying. It's taking them right over Soviet airspace, and their defense command knows it. So now they're responding. They see, hey, it's Magneto. Flying above us. With a bunch of nukes. <laughs> That's not threatening at all. Nope. So they send some ships after. Magneto and Rogue are trying to have this heart-to-heart. Rogue is trying to connect with him and extend how them seeing this might have added to the misunderstanding. But you're trying to haul off with all these nukes. Don't you see? You've got everybody spooked. Magneto does not want to hear it. No. This this first panel on the sec- on the next page. Mostly folks know you as the world-class muty terrorist. You're the boogeyman that's used to frighten people about us. By acting the way you are now, you're proving them right. Well, you know, Magneto, he says, I tried to change. I did the best to follow Xavier's path to a peaceful coexistence between Homo sapiens and Homo su- sapien superior. Oh, Homo sapien superior. Me, I was just about to skip the word hopes sapien and go right to superior. Yeah, and so that kind of roots it more in the idea that mutants are humans. They're just a next evolution of humans. Mm-hmm. And paid for that folly with the blood of innocence. Doug. Oh. Oh, yeah. Surprise. Doug died. Oh, Doug. Well, I knew that from book club. Yep. Power of X-Men book club. Okay, back to the story. Yep. So, uh-oh, what's happening to Rogue here? She's getting shot? Are these are these Soviet planes shooting Rogue? Yeah. They're, Magneto, this is not what you wanted. The rockets shoot out from the plane behind her, and there's this giant explosion, an upper atmosphere nuclear detonation, at least a megaton in yield. Magneto's fired one of the missiles. But what about Rogue? But did Magneto really fire the missile or was it, again, a misunderstanding of the charged players involved, right? It's this this ship that's shooting these rockets in the top right. Yeah. Come on, man. What about Rogue? Well, she's nigh invulnerable. 
That's a that's a cannonball line. I, I see know, your face. I, I see your I face. I feel like we've taught, we've had this conversation. And it feels like it's just a double negative sentence. I'm nearly invulnerable. Well, I guess because I don't really know. I guess so. Nigh means nearly, not not. Right. Sounds like it would be a no, negative word. Anyway. Back on asteroid English M. English language. At home with the Council of Cortez on the next page. Oh, and P.S. They just left Rogue there. Yeah, I mean, well, Magneto's bleeding and i'm talking about the, the blue team yeah well there's a nuclear explosion you know cyclops is making the call for the good of the many over the good of the the few it's morph all over again morph my friends <laughs> <laughs> i hate it but i i like it but i hate you, it you love it <laughs> and this these references of cortez calling him his lord Noticing the injury. Ah, oh, that devil Wolverine. The devil. And he's talking, you know, I thought my armor proof against any assault. From Cyclops, I expected that. He has never trusted me and never will. But Wolverine, I fought by his side. For the brief time I worked with the X-Men, he accepted me wholeheartedly. If not as a friend, then at least as a comrade in arms. Mm, well, Wolverine does not agree with what you're doing right now, Magneto. So I'm sorry. And Cortez is just stoking the flame. Perhaps, Lord, because they know there is not room in the world for your vision and theirs, one can prevail solely by the total elimination of the other. Right? So Cortez is the villain in this. Cortez like, is the one that's yeah. like really... He's just doing shady business. Like, what's your ulterior motive, dude? Killed humans. Killed flat scans. Flat scans. And he says, you know, this point for Magneto about having to destroy his people in order to save them the juxtaposition of their ultimate goals and how it continues to drive their action, Xavier and Magneto. Mm -hmm. We learn that Fabian has healed the attacked mutant from before and will use his powers here with Magneto in the same way. Place your faith and fate in my hands. You will not regret it. That sounds like a dangerous bargain. It like sounds like if you let him heal you, you are, he owns you. You have no idea. What? On the next page. No, what? (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> Crackers. The X-Men are searching for Rogue. No luck in the scanners or telepathic connection. Xavier reaches out to tell them he's found Rogue. She's on Genosha. In a hospital bed. The recently freed country. Recently freed? Freed from the people who killed everyone? Or is this pre-Genosha massacre? That, yeah, yeah. That's... okay. That's much further. This is when Genosha was an enslaved nation state where mutants were test subjects. Okay. Mutates actually comes from this. Mutates came up in oh, okay. episode recently. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, cool, 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 cool. But in the extinction agenda, the X-Men destroyed the evils that were in the background, primarily Cameron Hodge and what he was trying to manipulate for his own means. Well, not primarily Cameron Hodge, because there were still the magistrates and the people that were doing all this genetic testing on mutants and, and enslaving mutates. Oh, I do not think Magneto enjoyed this. He wasn't there. He wasn't there. Oh, feels very triggering for him. Rogue wakes up. She questions her ability to be there as a free person. Is this a prison hospital? Free? Even for mutants? And is it? We need you, Rogue. Even though you're hurt, a superpowered terrorist cadre is staging random attacks throughout the city. My magistrates can't cope. Innocent lives have already been lost. 
hey, you know, we found you and and we we, you know, nursed you back to health, but also like we need you, okay? So can you handle this business real quick? Yeah. Explosion. Oh, oh. Actually, Rogue, we want you either by our side or at our feet. Um, excuse me. Calm down, sir. Yeah, and these you may not recognize them because they got their fancy new duds, but these are the mutants that were on that shield vessel that went to Asteroid M to rally around Magneto's cause. So this is Fabian and his crew, or? I believe that that's Fabian in the middle, yes. Yes, like choke-holding Rogue? Yeah. Well, he's not, just not choke-hold, just choking her, just regular choking her. Just regular choking. <laughs> Where she's like, not today, pow! Yeah. So these are the Acolytes. This is their first appearance in, in this garb, in this look that will become their look going forward. Kind of cool uniforms, costumes. Mm. I like them. And we get some display of who these people are, what their powers are. There's a reference to Delgado on that page is growing and about to squish Rogue, but Cyclops attacks from behind. Surrender or suffer the consequences. Oh, Cyclops is back. Hey, you know, they they didn't, like, just leave and go get Mai Tais. You know, they were looking for her. I know. I, I'm i sorry. Let me try that again. Oh, Cyclops is back. Was that better or? No, be true to your feelings. But okay, it yeah, just... Cyclops is back. Woohoo, let's get it. There you go. That's, that's good. That's middle ground. <laughs> so the team is there for backup. Yeah, and they're squaring off about ideologies and understandings. Genosha bred mutants as slaves. They tried to destroy you, X-Men, yet now you defend them? Traitors! Genosian government did those nasties, Sherry. Government changed. Those nasties. Policies changed with it. I love, I love, like, this is the attention to dialect that I love about Claremont's writing and just the fact that he's writing these characters in character. Yeah. Right? Like, so, when you read it, you can, you you can, can hear, hear their yeah. voices you can and their hear accents. That, that Cajun. Ooh. Hoo-wee. And especially as he catches this blast, this bullet from the gun that shot at him and just throws it back at her. Yeah, yikes. Explosion again. Pa-pam. Why does this guy look like the thing? His powers are being enhanced by someone else on the team and his physiology is being morphed as he is becoming denser. And it even says, I've altered your molecular structure, Delgado, to make it virtually as dense as adamantium. For what you lose in speed and agility, you'll more than make up for in strength. Oh. And Beast notices Delgado. There was a major Harry Delgado commanding the shield pursuit force that was captured by Magneto. Coincidence? Different guy, same name, or maybe the major was a sleeper working with the clowns he was supposedly chasing. Or maybe he switched sides. Or maybe somebody made him. I like that Wolverine's like, yeah, 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 don't jump to conclusions that this was Magneto. Even though, like, a few minutes ago, I was just ready to kill him. Just, like, could be anything, Beast. Well, yeah, he, he's, and this is more about Delgado, where he's like, you know, it could be this, it could be that, it could be this. Just throw me. Just he's throw like, my razor-sharp claws as I tear into these guys not, because they're not destroying sure what things. what the reason is. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just here to do a job. I don't care about anyone's motivations. Yeah. However the man came here, Beast, he means business. We can figure out the backstory after we take him down. Stab first, ask questions later. Yikes. Wolverine. That's maybe not the best method. Fight. Psylocke, up close and personal with his attack. She talks about wanting to do this, the thrill of physical combat. You know, she could use 
some of her other, I could easily do this telepathically from a distance, but I like the thrill of physical combat. Oh, okay, Psylocke. She's worried about becoming an action junkie in this square off with this guy. How are you going to be an X-Men if you're worried about being an action junkie? Well, I mean, this is is a very different mentality for Psylocke. She was much more, well, I don't know if I want to say that. She's gone through a lot of evolution, both as a character in her own body, but then specifically when she became into the ninja assassin body and was trained by the hand, there's a lot more that's mm. activating in her that's I'm just driving saying, her. Like on a on a mental stability level, if you're questioning those things, maybe don't be on a team that <laughs> of soldiers. <fights. laughs> It'll yeah. be on a military operation of mutant superheroes. You might want to work that that out first. I think it's interesting that she's having this intense inner monologue. Uh, at a place of the intensity that's surrounding her, but at least she's recognizing that there's a change in her attitude, that there's something evolving within her. Yeah. Wolverine versus Cortez. He wants to kill him right now. He knows him, but he's unable to place the scent. Ooh, the scent. Not your face. Not like, I know I've seen your face before. I know I've smelled you before. I know I've smelled that Cortez before. That split face panel. Yeah. It's literally, literally those were the exact words in my head at that moment. I was about to say them. And Cyclops is like, Wolverine, he's the leader. We need, we need him alive. Don't kill him. Ugh, ruining all my fun, Cyclops. There's no need for such melodrama, X-Man. I have nothing to hide indeed. I and mine are as proud of our affiliation as you of yours. So he's saying, you know, like, I back Magneto just as hard as you back Xavier. Yeah. Except I'm driving the ship, you know. Yeah, except Cortez I maybe back like, Magneto a little bit more strongly because I am actually forcing him to I'm do these fronting things. Magneto. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, hey, I want that Magneto classic. Well, let's get that back. Speak of the devil. Oh, the epicness. Coming of in. Magneto. Making the rules. This happened without my permission and awareness, but these acolytes have pledged themselves to my cause and service. He's talking about the response that is warranted on these magistrates. So the fact that like they are in Genosha, only magistrates were slain or injured. I could say that this is merely just retribution for the horrors they inflicted until recently on Genosha's mutant citizenry. They acted in an excess of zeal that is wrong, and, and since I accept responsibility for their actions, somehow, mis- however misguided, I shall determine their appropriate punishment. I mean, that's a testament to Magneto's loyalty. Like, he's out here saying, listen. I get it. I didn't authorize this mission, but these are my peeps. Yeah, and they're doing something that, like, if you're going to make me have to rationalize it on the fly, these guys did some terrible things to mutants earlier, and they're the only ones that are hurt, so stop crying. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Well, even the X-Men call them out. Wolverine... What we got here, bub, a new twist on the divine rights of kings? You figure since you live above the world, that puts you above its law as well? Laws written by humans for humans, Wolverine, as out of date as the race that created them. A new generation is being born, and with it must come a new world order. He's like, you know, I don't play by human rules. I play by mutant rules. Human rules got nothing on me. And mutant rules haven't even been written yet, so I just play on the fly. I'm just, I play by my own rules. I play in my cape. Look at 
his everything. Look at his face through his mask and his gritty teeth and his his eyes. Yeah, this is this is epic Magneto return to villainy. And he declares Asteroid M as a sovereign world, home and haven for mutant kind, which feels kind of like Krakoa, but yeah. also at the same point stepped outside of the world. It's like, hey, we're not even... We're not even on Earth anymore. Yeah. We're outside of Earth. We're out and above. You can't talk to us. If you're done, if you're done with this nonsense on Earth, come join us up in space. He's saying everyone's welcome. Even you X-Men. Even your mentor, my old friend, Charles Xavier, are welcome my here. Old but mark it. Mark this and mark it well. Harm done against any mutant is harm done to me, and I shall respond accordingly. Yikes. His last three panels. Back at the Xavier School, Moira's freaking out as Sean Banshee comes up to her. Moira, what ails you, Ashla? Have you been crying? Oh, Sean, forgive me. I then I can know what could have possessed me. Lord, my lord, what have I done? The terrible things that's happened, and Banshee, it's all my fault. What? And then it just says, next, firestorm. Firestorm. What do you mean it's all your fault, Moira? Tease for the next issue. Okay, well, I'm not going to read the next issue, so... When do I get to find out what Moira's talking about? I don't know. Ah, you don't know? You don't have a plan? You're the man with the plan. What do you mean? I have a plan. The plan was to do this as the seminal moment. Do you see why this is a seminal moment? Yes. It's a reset. Yeah. It's a back to basics, It's but also with the added layers of everything that's come before it. These new characters, these character relationships. Do you want to know, like, big, big picture? Yeah, big picture. So Magneto blames Moira for when he was reduced to a child. Yes. He was sent to be cared for by Moira. Oh. And so when he was re-aged to his prime, he's accusing her of having done something to him that made him more open to to soften his ways, to oh. abandon his, his cause previously. So basically, how to, how to retcon the entirety of that arc to hero and pin it on Moira, essentially. Mm. Rough. And that comes out in issue two. That They talk about that in issue two. And then there's a square off between opposing sides. I don't want to tell you. Yeah, don't tell me. And that's the end of that's, the issue. That's the end. X-Men number one, 1991. Adjectiveless X-Men. What'd you think? I think they did Magneto dirty. Oh, yeah, for sure. But but also, he had some dirty deeds cooking in his back pocket. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's Magneto. He always has dirty deeds cooking in his back pocket. But He's got deep back pockets. He's got deep pockets. But, I mean, there was a lot. A lot happened. The art was really beautiful. So much happened. Exciting. I I think I talked about this at the beginning where, you know, they say this is a number one. And and I'd say that it gave you at least enough to question, but not really enough to answer Mm -hmm. in a handful of spots. You know, like the first half, that's the the training and, oh, we're going to meet the X-Men and we're going to figure out what they're doing. And then, oh, there's Magneto and he's just chilling in space. But all the, the inner workings of this relationship and this deep backstory and this, you know, the the fact that we were friends once. And yeah. Yeah. Old, there's a lot of layers. And new friends. There's a lot of layers and they're all slowly being revealed. You know, there's like, this is what's going on with the X-Men. Now we're going to have two teams. This is what's going on with Magneto. Hey, this guy Fabian is here now and he has some sort of plan that he wants Magneto on. And we're going to drop this bomb about Moira in here. And so it definitely has a lot of setup. 
to create a bunch of plot points for what would be this title going forward. Yeah. And and the other day we were talking, I wanted to bring this up. We were talking about seminal moments, right? Oh. So this is this is a seminal moment. Okay. And and I think that we have I have built up the idea of seminal moment in the wrong way. That the seminal <laughs> moment doesn't mean that this issue is like, oh my God, this is the best issue in the world. But this issue marks a change. This issue marks a distinct change mm-hmm. that will follow for the next however long in X-Men. So this is only our second seminal moment. The first one technically was giant size X-Men. We covered X-Men number one from 1963 as a seminal moment because it, it started it. Yeah, 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 we got to go back to basics. But and this is a return even more fully back to basics, you know, back to the idea of what Stan and Jack had set out of good versus evil. Or, Just a hard reset. Yeah. So while this issue is not intended to be like, oh my God. This, it, yeah, is, I definitely it is a great... had the understanding that a seminal moment was going to blow my mind every single time. And I think that starting with Hoxpox. Right. And also really Hoxpox was like the entirety of those 12 issues was the seminal moment, right? Yeah. That's like how we viewed it. So that's also probably why every time we're like, and it's one issue. I'm like, but, but, Well, but. I think you might... You might be able to think about Hoxpox more as like the first issue was maybe the seminal moment, but I think I think it was the full arc because that full arc then sets the foundation for mm-hmm. everything that is to come. Yeah, which most of the other seminal moments, except for the one after this one, oh, most of them are just single issues, just a little. And I I info. might say that this three issue arc was the seminal moment. Because it does more fully explore what's about to be set up and really pits you on either side of this X-Men versus Magneto and is of the Acolytes. Oh, Magneto. I mean, I enjoyed it. Overall, good stuff. Good stuff? Would it, did it make you excited about the, the 90s X-Men? Sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see like what the differences are, like if there are any differences in the kind of things the blue team and the gold team do, or if it's really just two story, like just so that we can have two titles going on. Or... Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's primarily because they wanted two titles. X-Men was the highest selling comic. This became the highest selling issue. They wanted to start with the ability to tell two X-Men stories and that could more easily cross over or set yourself up to cross over. It was like, hey, we got all these X-Men. What are we going to oh, do? Oh, yeah. We could do some big things. Yeah. And... In this reshuffling, there was previously a handful of the New Mutants and a handful of other characters had formed into X-Force, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. One of the New Mutants, so Wolfsbane, and a couple of other characters formed the all-new X-Factor. So that was a new team with Strong Guy. Mm-hmm. I just opened that figure finally yesterday. Yes. And Havoc and Polaris and Multiple Man and Quicksilver. That's where that you know that, that team comes from and that look. And then you got Excalibur that's off doing England things. England things. So it's just, what are we doing with all these established characters? This this backstory that Claremont cultivated along with other creators, writers, and artists. But we have all these characters. We're not just going to let them retire, which is essentially what Claremont wanted. You know, that X-Men would come and go. Some would die. Some would retire. Mm-hmm. He had intended that Scott was going to retire when he mad- married Madeline Pryor. That that was going to be him going off into the sunset. And These are not real characters people chris claremont he, no he don't tell him that no i agree with him i agree and i understand that they need character arcs and that they you know 
they age. Not all of them are Wolverine, <laughs> but that's not what the people want, you know, or, or that's not what the comic industry believes that the people want. Yeah. They want their classic characters to stay around forever. You know, yeah. they want to go back to basics. You know, it's interesting. You have Magneto who didn't want to do that. Right. Magneto is basically Claremont in this where he's like, no, I just, <laughs> I, I just want to want, don't make me, I guess I have to, I want to retire on a space base orbiting the earth and just watch shooting stars for the rest of my life. And editorials like, no dreadlord, you nah. must, you're the evil, your cause. We pledge to it. Oh goodness. And and he's like, you know what? This is actually kind of fun. You know? Yeah. Secretly. I like this. I like this. Here's some nukes. And I'm prepared. Well, we did it. We got a seminal moment. Yay. I love this issue. And, and, and also just these designs. You yeah. Know, these. The costumes and the, the artwork are. They really. Really awesome. And, and Jim Lee has been on Uncanny X-Men for a while before this. Will Spartacio mm. takes over on Uncanny. And Jim is now going to be plotting and doing art going forward after these three issues. Because these three issues are the last of Claremont's run. Oh, right. It kind of changes the dynamic for at least, you know, the first 11 issues of this comic. And then Jim Lee leaves with Wills Partacio and a handful of others to form Image Comics, which, yeah, yeah you know, kind of a handful of other people pick up where threads are lost, but some things get crossed in the interim and... I still love this era. I still love what comes after it. And and honestly, as a fan, as a reader, you don't notice mm-hmm. a lot of that. You know, I think the Cuberts did a great job. And, and Art Thiebert, I think, is another artist that really captured a lot of the energy that Jim Lee brought with these character designs and with this layout. The other thing that I was just thinking, because I saw it, this is the first appearance of the hover chair. This oh, issue. the hover chair. Yeah. The, this yeah so I guess like a lot of this stuff is the classic stuff that I know from seeing it like in the cartoon or seeing it right and so this was then adapted into I the animated series and is a lot of times what people think of when they think of the X-Men you know mm-hmm. if, if you've seen any of the and that I mean to their credit that was one of the main reasons why they formed image was that anything that they create is owned by Marvel and can be right. reprodu- like they're not getting royalties on a lunchbox. Yeah, that's a whole another discussion. That's a whole rough. Right. And so thing. image was created for independent creator owned titles and properties and, and to be able to build stories of it. And at the end of the day, now Jim Lee is the publisher and chief creative officer of DC Comics. Hmm. And it was interesting. We were talking to Deese the other day yeah. and he was talking about just the superstar level that Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and <laughs> they were doing like Levi commercials or something. Yeah, comics artists and because they were so well known that they were getting directed on a Spike Lee commercial. That was so yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's insane to me. Ah, the wonderful life of a comics creator. Yeah. So, I added in the Claremont run as part of our in between of seminal moments. I'm not necessarily going to add in some more pit stops along the way going forward we're going to finish out the seminal moments so we can continue to talk as well about the future mm-hmm. of mutants uh primarily i i wanted to do the claremont run at least some justice of I feel course like the seminal moments kind of sidestep the 16 17 year run plus you need that backstory you need that character development and that even even when we did marauders you felt like you knew yes. these characters yeah, so you have much a better more understanding when you know, you the know their relationship sure. so much more i saw a post today about someone had recently watched 
the Chris Claremont's X-Men, the documentary on Amazon. Yeah, that's a good documentary. And how it just, it shows how much he put into these character arcs and how much he was juggling with their stories to go into this. And I think that there was definitely a shift as you shift to more of a art-led focus. You lose a lot of that character development. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, you get some great art and you still get some new characters. Jim Lee created a handful of new characters, Omega Red, Maverick, a few others, I feel like you really lose a lot of the depth that was gained over this long, expansive journey that was Claremont's. Yeah, but at least you have that in your back pocket if you're a continuous fan. What you know, was it? You, uh, you can bring that into the story in your own headcanon. Right. Well, and then Planet X-Men, I think, was saying that everything is, Claremont's the foundation of everything. Anything else beyond that is just a new fresh coat of paint. Right. You know, it just it's taking the basics that were established and were developed and tweaking it a little, adding new layers. I, I argue that Hickman is adding a lot yes, more. I would and, agree and, with that. And almost in like in spite of where comics are, you know, how are you gonna have all these people? I'm gonna do what I want. How are you gonna how are they di- gonna die? Oh yeah. Eggs. Eggs. Well, that was a long winded It was good though. Yeah. So Until next time, old friend. Charles, just let me retire in space. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 